1: Broadcast was set up by Christchurch Manchester and at Christchurch Manchester we've recently started a school of leadership to help people with the leadership gift develop and use that gift in whatever context they're in. On this broadcast podcast, we thought that some of the content from that School of Leadership would be helpful for church planters, and so we will be bringing you some of those sessions. Today we're bringing you the first session of the School of Leadership, which is how to build a strategy for growth, taught by Andy Brownlee. You can find the full notes on everything that Andy says in this episode at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 85, or if you'd like to find out more about Christchurch Manchester, then please visit www.ccm.org.uk. So here is Andy Brownlee, building a strategy for growth.
0: As Collins mentioned, my name's uh, Andy. Um, I'm one of the elders here at CCM. I'm also I also lead one of the sites at CCM, CCM Withington. And uh, three years ago, I uh, I did a masters at uh, at Regent's College down in Malvern, it's kind of Elam, the Elam kind of training school there. And the masters was on missional leadership. And one of the things I did on that masters was I had to come up with a three year strategy for growth for a church. There we go. That's what we're talking about today. So that's what Collins asked me to talk about today a three-year strategy for growth in a church now those of you who maybe aren't leading churches this is actually going to be uh, fairly applicable to, to you wherever you are because there's going to be a lot of principles that are going to be used for whatever you lead it might be a community group it might be a youth group it might be you know if you're in business or somewhere whatever you lead you're hopefully going to learn some principles here today so before we start what I just want you to do uh, a little bit of group group work I want you to turn to the person next to you and I want you to tell them the first thing comes into your head when you hear the word strategy Mm -hmm. have you thought of a few things someone want to share what was the first thing came into your head when you you heard the words James Bond James Bond (laughs) okay Anna thank you very much James Bond anyone else military military yeah what else we got (laughs) sorry Broad impact. Broad impact. Oof, yeah, oh, great. Geez. Anybody else? First thing came into your head? Boring. Hmm. Boring. I will be honest. I will be honest. Yeah. The the a time whenever i heard the word strategy you know i just had this urge to yawn Do you know i was just like oh i'm getting a bit tired now really yeah so i'm, I'm with you on that anybody else meetings meetings endless endless ah. meetings okay so i'm getting a vibe that it's not it's, it's not that creative a word sometimes people what did you say andy something about football yeah, yeah football football tactics, tactics. 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 strategy <laughs> yeah yeah great well i'm sure there's as many other options or answers you have now, one of the things is that when it comes to strategy, church leaders and people in church, what we do is we tend to veer towards one of two extremes. Now, I'm not saying we are those extremes, but we just in who we are in our makeup, we tend to go towards one of two places. When it comes to strategy, we tend to go either super spiritual or we go either super technical. Okay? So I'll explain what these are. So super spiritual is When you're maybe leading a church and you're like, we don't need strategy strategy plans we don't need any of that type of stuff we're just going to pray that's all we're going to do we're going to pray no strategy no plans and the prayer meetings may be awesome but the church is chaos because nobody knows what they're doing there's no plan there's no strategy there's no anything okay that's super spiritual okay now we're talking about extremes here I'm not not looking at anybody in particular Um, the other extreme is super technical and normally what happens is you get a church leader who who maybe has worked in business and then become a church leader And they come into the church and they're like, oh, you know what? We have this awesome business strategy for my business. And you know what? If we just take this business and, like, use it for church, like, it made us loads of money in business, then that means we're going to get loads of people in church. And what they do is they adopt, they kind of take this business model in and they force it onto the church. And and what happens is gradually, slowly, they start to kind of trust in the business model more than trusting in God. And the business model, this model they're using, becomes their kind of the be-all and end-all. That's super technical. And most of us, we veer towards one of those two just by who we are. Now, I want to say that actually, biblically, we don't want to be going to either of those two extremes. Biblically, the biblical way to think about church growth is to think about it like a plant growing. The biblical way to think about it is like a plant growing. So I'm sure we're familiar, very famous verse, 1 Corinthians 3, 6. Paul says this, I planted, Apollos watered, but who gave the growth? God gave the growth. So this is not a trick question. Who grows churches? God, yes. Who plants and waters? Colin. Colin. <laughs> yeah. Colin. Yeah, okay. Now, who plants and waters? Us, yeah. Paulus, Paul, Colin, Tim, all of us. our job is to plant and water. So it's it's good for us to see that actually, when it comes to church growth, there's something that there's a part that God plays, but there's also a part that we play. Okay, it's a partnership. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought of it like this, but planting and watering are very strategic things. They're very strategic things. Now those of you who don't know me my dad is an apple farmer. Okay, so he has a couple of thousand apple trees. Uh, He produces about 300 tons of apples every harvest time, and he sells them to Magner's Irish Cider. So if you ever have a pint of Magner's Irish Cider, feel free to toast my dad, because that's his apples. Now, one of the things my dad has to do, whenever it comes to planting new trees or watering them, he has to think strategically. If he plants the trees too low down, they're going to die because of frost. If he plants them close to a hedge, they're going to be sheltered from the wind, but they're going to get no sunlight. if he plants them too much out in the open they're going to get lots of sun but they're not going to be sheltered from the wind so he has to think strategically where am I going to plant when it comes to watering not so much of an issue living in Northern Ireland it rains every day anyway (laughs) sometimes in summertime not so much raining he has to think okay when am I going to water these how am I going to water them how much am I going to water these these trees so I just want to see that in the same way my dad with the whole tree thing in the same way Paul and Apollos Paul would have had to sit down and think okay Where is the right place to plant this next church? Should I plant it here or here or here or here? You would have had to think strategically. Um, and also when it comes to Apollos, I mean, Apollos would have had to think, okay, how am I going to nourish these churches? Okay, how often do I need to disciple people and teach them? Is there, can I do too much of it? Can I give them too much? Teach? How often do I need it? So that there's a lot of strategic thinking when it comes to planting and watering. Now, what I'm trying to say here is, is that our role, our role when it comes to church growth is to have a planting and watering strategy that's our role to have a planting and watering strategy okay so what is strategy that would be a good thing to talk about wouldn't it Oxford Dictionary defines strategy as a plan of action designed to achieve a long term or overall aim a plan of action designed to achieve a long term or overall aim So, I think we would all agree, when it comes to the Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul's overall aim was to make disciples of all nations, okay? Get the gospel out everywhere. Now, I want you, again, a bit of group work, turn to the person next to you, and I want you to tell them what things did Paul do to make disciples of all nations. Okay. Do you want to feed back in? Uh, what are some of the things Paul did to make disciples of all nations? Just chuck some answers out. He went there. He went there. So he went to places where there were not so many disciples. Yeah. Anything else? population centers and power centers. Picked Population centers and power centers, yeah. So, yeah, again, we'll see that actually Paul wanted to preach the gospel, but he didn't just shoot the gun everywhere. He was like, there's a strategy here. If I go to urban population centers, preach the gospel there, plant churches there, I'm going to set them up so that they can reach the surrounding areas. So if you if you read through about Paul in the Bible, he doesn't actually spend an awful lot of time in countryside or little small villages. He goes to the major urban cities, major urban cities, sorry. Okay. (laughs) Not like guys are like. He goes to the major urban cities and and sets things up so that they can reach the surrounding areas. Now, a little bit of a geeky quote here Uh, for those of you who like reading, uh, I I think probably one of the best books ever written on Paul, is by a guy called Roland Allen. Uh, It's called Paul's Missionary Methods. It's basically writing about Paul's strategy. He says this, So Paul's theory of evangelizing a province was not to preach in every place himself, but to establish centers of Christian life in two or three important places from which the knowledge might spread into the country around. He intended his congregations to become at once centers of life so basically what Roland Allen is saying is that you are absolutely right that was part of Paul's strategy Anything else? What else did Paul do to uh, make disciples of all nations?
1: He had a team.
0: He had a team. Yes, he strategically had a team. Yeah. Anything else? He wrote
1: wrote back back to to his churches.
0: He wrote back to his churches. So Paul had a strategy of planting churches, but then once he'd left he came back. and it was a very strategic thing. Come back, strengthen them. Yeah. Someone else said something here? He
1: understood culture.
0: He understood culture. What example do we have of Paul kind of understanding culture when he went to a new city did where did he where did he go where did he always start synagogue he always went to the synagogue he always went to the same place so he had a strategy when he actually turned up to a place so i, I suppose what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to show you that actually paul was very strategic in the way he went about things um, and actually so was jesus um, jesus strategy for getting the gospel to the ends of the earth was what investing in disciples yeah investing in the disciples Uh, to be honest I think sometimes if I had been Jesus' advisor I'd have been like look Jesus we need to get you a stadium tour Um, we're going to get all the major stadiums in the Roman Empire we're going to fill them 60-70 thousand we're going to book one in every single night we're going to do for three years solid but actually Jesus went no the the way to do this the best way to do this is invest heavily into these 12 guys and then they're going to do it so that was his strategy and it's really interesting I read this recently Jesus never stayed more than a few days in any single place, and what that meant was that by the end of his three-year ministry, his ministry had touched all of Galilee's 175 towns and villages. So when Jesus lived, there were about 175 towns and villages in Galilee. His ministry touched them all, and actually, by the end of his ministry, most of Galilee's 200,000 people—that's how many people lived in the region at that time—would have either met Jesus or known someone who had. So actually he had a strategy of not staying too long in one place, next place, next place, next place. So not just was Paul strategic, Jesus was strategic too. So a bit of a recap, back to Oxford Dictionary. Strategy is a plan of action to designed to achieve a long-term or overall aim. Now, the reason I've gone through all of this stuff is because I think it's really important for us to see right from the outset that strategy is biblical, it is right, it is godly, and it is vital that as churches we embrace it. Because I think sometimes we can have this bad mindset about strategy, oh, it's come from all these business schools and we don't want that in the church. But actually it's biblical, it's right, and it's good, and as churches we need to embrace it. So so that's strategy, what it is and why we should do it. So a little bit about my story. So I mentioned it uh, at the start. So back about three years ago, I did a master's in missional leadership. And one of the things I had to do was, uh, as I said, come up with a three-year strategy for our church. Now, one of the things we learned very quickly on this course was that a lot of organizations that have strategy documents make them so long and boring that nobody ever reads them what they also do is that when the few people who do read them they're actually so complicated that they don't actually understand anything about them and what also happens is for larger organisations is they spend so long coming up with a strategy document by the time it's finished it's already out of date and you sort of think what is the point of that I mean that's just completely pointless And one of the books we looked at in depth in our course is a great book. I really recommend you read it. It's this book here. It's called Dream with a Deadline. Okay. And what they basically say is they say strategy needs to be simple and concise. No matter how big your church is, no matter how big your organization is, how big turnover, whatever, simple and concise. And they pretty much say the best way to make a strategy is to take an A4 sheet of paper, draw a picture of a house on it, and write your strategy inside it. That's what they say. No matter how big your organization is, whether you're leading a community group, whether you're leading a multinational company, whether you're leading a church of 6,000, a church of 150, whatever, sheet of F4 paper, draw a house on it, and write your strategy inside of it. And what they call this, they call this the house model, the house model of strategy. And this is the model that uh, that I used on my master's course. It's the model I have used, the stra- strategy model I've used for CCM Withington. And it's now the strategy model that we use at all our sites at CCM as well. We not only use them for sites, we use them for youth work, we use them for our intern program. We use them for all the stuff at CCM. So I'm just going to explain the house model uh, a bit then show you a few examples and then if we have time we may have a go at making one who's excited about that? <laughs> <Alan? Yeah. laughs> oh, just woke up, great yeah, to see <laughs> okay so have we got any builders in here? very good that's helpful okay so I'm not going to be called out on this okay so there are three components to a house we've no builders so you don't know any different three main components to a house you got the roof you got the pillars and you get the foundation pillars are columns and the foundation so for the purposes of the house model the roof the roof is the vision right the roof is the vision that's what it means in the house model the pillars are the actions and the foundation is the culture okay so three things you need for strategy vision actions culture vision actions culture three things roof pillars foundation now the vision quite simply is where you want to get to where you want to get to actions is what you need to do to get there and culture is the attitude you have while you do the things that get you there now a lot of people when it comes to strategy they're kind of like oh yeah great vision and actions will do that and they forget the culture but the culture there's a reason why it's the foundation in this the culture is incredibly important Right, because the culture is the attitude you have while you do this stuff. Because what we can do in church is we can do the right things with an awful attitude, and it's toxic. You know, you, you you're just achieving the opposite of what you want to do. So I'm sure we, I've experienced this. I've had times when there's been people in church who have been like, say, super into street evangelism. They're like, we need to do evangelism. We need to go out in the street, and they get out and they do it, and it's great. But then they come back to the church and they're very uh, condescending and judgmental about everyone else who isn't doing it you should be doing church you should be on the street you should be on the street you should be on the street and they almost make everybody else feel like second class citizens so do you see how they're doing something that's good with a terrible attitude which makes it toxic so actually the attitudes we have are incredibly incredibly important okay so it's not just a kind of little fun thing we put at the bottom now, as I said, the the house model is a, is the template we use at our CCM site. So, what I just want to do now is I want to show you the one that I have developed for CCM Withington. So I'm just going to go through that. If you if some things are helpful for you in that, great. If not you know we'll be finished soon there's tea and coffee at the end that's fine okay so first thing we we did when we came up with our um our our, our, our strategy for ccm withington we, we we basically got our leadership team together at ccm withington back in december 2015 we kind of prayed look god what do you want us to do we discussed we talked loads of stuff and then and the first thing we did was we came up with our vision okay our vision now actually it was easy to come up with a vision for ccm withington because uh, ccm as a whole has a vision so we we use that but I just want to say when it comes to strategy the vision is the most important thing it's the most important thing you have if you don't know where you're going it's not much point making up a strategy to figure out where, how you're going to get there okay if you're going nowhere you don't need a strategy to help you get there because you can do that yourself. So vision is so, so important. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. I saw this cool little uh, quote recently. It said that uh, diffused light has little or no effect, but focused light in the form of a laser can cut through steel. So having a focused vision is very, very, very powerful. Uh, Jim Collins puts, like this he's an author he says uh, I love this way he puts it he says the fox knows many things but the hedgehog knows one thing the fox knows many things but the hedgehog only knows one thing the fox is very sly and cunning and knows lots of things all the hedgehog knows how to do is to defend itself that's it and what he says is hedgehogs see what is essential and ignore the rest Hedgehog, see what is essential and ignore the rest and he says we need to be more hedgehog and less fox more hedgehog less fox we need to focus what is the main thing the essential thing and only do that and ignore everything else so one of the most essential things about strategy is is working out what to ignore working out what to say we're not doing that as good as it is it's not where we're going we're not doing that okay that's what he says so our vision at ccm Currently, currently you know there's always like revisions to it but currently is bringing life to the communities of manchester bringing life to the communities of manchester So this is where as a church we want to go get to we want to bring life to the communities of manchester so we want to see god's kingdom advance in this city we want to see disciples reprodu- reproducing disciples we want to see the poor lifted out of poverty we want to see the rich embrace generosity we want to see complete transformation in this city because just the kingdom has just grown just massively that's what we want to see bringing life to the community of Manchester. So I think we've got that. Oh, Rich, you're on it, mate. You're great. haven't looked around. Second thing I want to just look at. So our culture at CCM has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight things there. So these are the, the attitudes that we promote at CCM. The first is we promote a think the best attitude. So we always think the best of people, obviously until they approve otherwise, but <laughs> we think the best of people. We have a high esteem, a high, high thought process of people especially new people who come in we have an attitude of generosity we promote generosity with our time with our energy with our money and that you know that attitude it, it comes from leadership down so we promote that we have a have a go culture so we encourage people to have a go have a go so sometimes people will come with ideas and as leaders we're like okay great have a go here's some money here's some people go for it try it we'll help you we'll support you and we also have a wholehearted attitude. So we don't want to be half hearted and stingy and kind of full, but we want to be wholehearted, fully going for whatever it is we're going for. We have a second chance culture which links a little bit to the have a go culture. So if people have a go at something and it doesn't happen, you know, we get them back, we give feedback and then they can get another go, they get another go, and they get another go. We give multiple goes, okay? So there's a second chance culture. It's not like you do one thing wrong and you're basically never allowed to serve in the church again. It's not like that, okay? We're about repentance forgiveness and getting back out and going again we have a forward-looking culture so we want to always be thinking what's the next thing next church next community group next thing we can do next way of outreaching what's the next thing always keep looking forward and then we have an eating together culture um, and actually i was talking to colin earlier he sort of said yeah and drinking together because we we love to have good tea and coffee <laughs> colin works really hard in making sure we have good tea and coffee so but eating together is a really important thing it's, it's biblical we see it right throughout the bible jesus spends so much time eating with people so that's our culture now these are the attitudes which we actively promote as a leadership in the church now if you go to any one of the different sites of ccm they're all different they all have their own characteristics but because this culture has filtered down from the leadership you will see these attitudes in all of the sites okay so these are the things we promote while we do the things that achieve our vision of bringing life to the communities of manchester okay are we all okay? Yeah. Surviving? Alright, so actions. Third thing. Our actions are the things we do, yeah, to bring to achieve our vision. And this this falls into three categories at CCM. Devotion, community, and mission. So these are the three things we think. If we do these things, we will achieve this vision. This is our aim. So devotion is helping people to come more devoted to Jesus, worship, drawing close to Him, relationship with Him. Community is is growing life giving communities right across this city, churches, community groups, and um, and mission is reaching the lost with the message of salvation. They're pretty self explanatory. Now these three areas are the areas which we which we believe if we focus on these we will achieve our vision and everything we do as a church fits into those three areas if it doesn't fit into one of those three areas as good as it is we don't do it okay so that's how we keep strategic about the activities that we offer now in each of these areas what we did in our leadership team at Withington is we identified six or seven smart goals or things that we would need to do To bring life to the communities of Manchester. Now when I mean smart goals, all these things are things that we want to be achieved by a certain time. So if you look at the top here, we've got a Withington strategy for December 2018. So all the things that that are going in here, we want to have achieved by December 2018. And what this helps with us, it helps become a real prayer focus. So all these targets are like, God, we pray for this because we've sat down. We believe God said, look, I want you to, to go for these things and we pray for these things. So I bring up the first one, devotion. So the the smart goals we made for devotion. So all these things we want to have by December 2018. Have inspiring corporate worship and inspiring preaching. Have a culture of prayer embedded throughout the church at CCM Withington. Monthly giving at CCM Withington to be £5,000 by December 2018. Two sermons on giving every year. We want to have developed. We want to have five worship leaders and five regular preachers by December 2018, and we want to have numerous discipleship small groups meeting regularly across the church. Okay, so that's devotion, community. The things we put down in community, the things that we wanted to achieve by December 2018. We want to ensure everyone experiences hospitality on a regular basis. We want to have eight caring and challenging community groups. We want to have a church of 100 people, possibly over two services. We want to have monthly church meals. We want to develop teams that run the functions of the church and that communicate well with each other. And we want to have 16 community group leaders. We have two people run each community group, so that's basically just multiplying eight and two. Um, It's 16 community group leaders and 10 children and youth workers. So this this is what we want to get to by December 2018. And mission, finally starting or partnering our appropriate ministry to the poor we want to be by december we want to have actively supporting or planting a church overseas identify pioneers and location for a new church plant by december 2018 we want to have five bridging events per year what i mean a bridging event is something that bridges that divide between someone who's completely lost and you know coming to know jesus so things that just bridge that that so we had family fun days that's something we do carol services we've met a lot of people to them we have football with gospel conversation training uh, we don't have of a fifth one uh, but we're trying to think of one so yeah uh, one innovative outreach program per year develop a follow up system and develop one new outreach and social action leader by December 2018 so those are our targets those are what we want to see and what we do is each time my leadership team meet once every sort of six weeks to two months we get this we get this out and we have a look at it um, and we've looked at it so much that people are like oh but we, we keep focus. keeps us focused keeps us knowing exactly what we're doing and one of the things I do is I will go through these and I will stick people in our leadership I'll stick their names next to specific areas and what that does is it gives people ownership over a particular area of the church you are responsible for making that happen and what I found is a lot of people love this they're like okay so I, I remember saying to a couple one time uh, they were feeling a little bit disjointed in, uh, in, in Withington weren't sure where they fitted and I, I basically sat down with them with this and I pointed to three things I said these three things I want you to make happen by December 2018 and it was exactly what they wanted to hear, they just wanted a role, something to do, a target let's go for it and they love it and they've really jumped on board, they're completely different because they can see what their job is and they can see how it serves the overall mission okay so are we all okay? Yeah. right we'll do a little bit more So, you might be thinking, actually you're probably not, but I'm just assuming that. You might be thinking, how did we come up with all of these? Was this just complete randomness? Well, it wasn't. Um, one of the things we did when we came up with this or one of the things I did was I read this book here it's by Christian Schwartz called Natural Church Development it's the best book on, on church growth I have ever read and I have read a few it's the best book uh, and basically what happened was it's the most comprehensive research project on the causes of church growth ever taken in the world right full stop Back in 1996, so it was a little bit dated. Um, he, he researched 32 countries, the churches in 32 different countries in every continent of the world. He had 4.2 million responses, and basically, what he found was that there were eight characteristics of growing churches. So, when he saw churches that were growing numerically, but growing in everywhere, just you know, faith, outreach, everything, he found these eight characteristics everywhere and when he found churches that weren't growing or weren't doing well he found that they didn't have or they weren't doing well in these eight characteristics and the correlation was so much that he just said look i can almost even say these are the eight things that cause churches to grow now we know who causes churches to grow god god, god causes churches to grow so take this with a pinch of salt but it, it, his correlation was so strong he said this is very important so i'm just going to go through these eight things that he says are essential for growing churches first one is important empowering leadership so it's leadership that helps others have their ministries so not just it's all about me but it's drawing other people through leadership second thing he said was gift orientated ministry so it's gifted people using their gifts consistently third thing was passionate spirituality so the church has a buzz around the place things matter to people there's kind of a you know you have fiery prayer meetings it's, 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 there's something happening functional structures so the church has a clear organization and vision so that people actually know what they're doing the church has inspiring worship services. So, worship services are like an event, it's something that, that really happens. You know, people come and go, Wow, that's, that's like really, you know, just really changed me or inspiring or joy filled. The sixth thing is holistic small groups so people need small groups that are both caring and challenging you can see where I kind of ripped that off from my thing caring and challenging community groups and uh, one of the things I think with community groups is if they go for a long time community groups can often get a little bit staid or boring and they just need refreshed every now and again so I think that's an important thing we need to just look at at church the seventh thing was need orientated evangelism so that's outreach that meets people's real needs okay so it's not just sharing Jesus it's understanding your community and what do they actually need to bridge the gap with them. So if you live in a, in a, in a, in a poor community, it's, it's helping the poor. It's, it's understanding that. And also, it's really important with need-orientated evangelism to let your church see that you're meeting the real needs of the people mm-hmm. so that they can see that the, the poor are being helped out of poverty because that helps everyone. And then the eighth thing is loving relationships. Now, most churches are friendly places to be, but actually he talks about you need to have those deep friendships and relationships in church. He says these are the eight key things that growing churches all have. That's what he's found. I've got a little picture coming up so that'll be a bit more interactive yeah if you're no, not yet not yet not yet Rich yeah sorry I'm sorry I, I said bring it up and I was too early too early, too early. okay okay so so Christian Swartz says this I, always, I find this really interesting he says just as plants naturally grow if there's nothing stopping them churches naturally grow if there's nothing stopping them Just as the farmer's job is to remove obstacles from stopping the plant grow, lack of water, lack of sunlight, our job as church leaders is to remove obstacles stopping the church growing. If there's no obstacles, he says, it will just grow because it's what churches do. So he uses this illustration of a bucket, right? Bring up a bucket, Rich. So this isn't a great bucket because all the, all the bits of wood on the bucket are different lengths, right? And he says these eight things that he's just talked about, if you put them all along here and you think about your own church and you think, okay, what are we strongest at in these eight things? So you can work out, well, we're strong at this, 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 and this, this. And he says, okay, work out what you're kind of weaker on of these eight things. And what he says, based on his research, you can read the book, and he says, well, I'll ask you the question. So which of these pieces of wood dictates how much water the bucket holds? Restriction. Yeah. It's the smallest one. So he says the most essential thing you can do when you're thinking about church growth is to look at, these good things, not to look at which one you're best at, because we all love looking at what we're best at and pat each other on the back and go, yeah, we're great, aren't we? He says the best thing to do is to focus on the one that is worst. And if you can improve the one that you're least good at, he says that's what brings the most growth initially okay so interest I found it interesting anyway so it was yeah so I just thought what we'll do now is I'll, um, I'll bring up a few examples so um, right we're right. all so first example the, the three year strategy that I showed you there was actually the second one we did for CCM Withington. the original three year strategy for CCM Withington we, we, we did back in January 2014 and I did it with the lecturer on my course he led a church he leads a church in Birmingham very big church and, and uh, we came up with all the smart goals and I remember him telling me uh, Andy these are too high you're starting a church from nothing you can't be aiming for 50 people you can't be for community so he was basically telling me to have everything have all the things and then we got to January 2017 this year and we sat down with our leadership team and we got this little sheet out I said, hey guys, why don't we have a look at these targets we made three years ago and what was really nice was to sit down with our leadership team and say, okay, so we aim to have three grand giving by, two th- by well, by the end of by, by the end of 2016 or the start of 2017 what's our giving? 3,300 we aim to have four community groups we didn't have any at the start we now have four community groups we aim to have a church of 50 adults, and we counted the adults. There was just over 50 adults in January of this year. And we went through basically all the SMART goals and we'd achieved all the SMART goals in the three years, right? Now, I'm not doing this to be all like bigging everybody up, but it bigging me up. But it's it's what happened was, I found really interesting, was everybody in the leadership team kind of trusted me a bit more from them <laughs> do you know what i mean like sometimes you get the young kid uh, like i remember when we started withington there was a there was a guy who turned up uh, and uh he, he said right, i'm with you yeah we're gonna plant this church great i'm excited and he was all there and he's like, i gonna believe worship's great and then he sat me down one time he says andy so um you know church plant who's like who does you know the you know the like the main stuff you know like the preaching and and basically, what he we says: Who does the adult stuff? You know, They're, like we're all here, we're all young, but like, who's the, who does the preaching and stuff? It's like, well, I will. And he was like, Right, okay, all right. And I think he was like, like where's the sensible person who's in charge of this whole thing? <laughs> And, and I think for the, in the early days it was a little bit like, okay, yeah, Andy's leading it. But uh, but when you do this, and what you, when you bring this up, and you say, look, we made some targets and we've achieved them, what you're doing is you're showing your leadership team a win. You're showing your leadership team, look, Andy can deliver. You're showing your leadership team you can trust me. You know, I'm going to make some. T- we're going to we're going to do this. And it and actually it really helps your leadership because they just they, they just makes it a lot easier, really. I find anyway. So was uh, yeah good and it's interesting you might sit here and think well if you'd never made the strategy you might have got to that anyway but actually we wouldn't have been able to celebrate the win mm-hmm. if we hadn't made the strategy mm-hmm. So one of the guys in our leadership team at Withington, he saw this, this this little plan we did, and he was like, "Andy, can I borrow that, like, for work?" I was like, "Yeah, you can take it if you want. I stole it from somebody else. You can steal it from me, no worries." So he sends me this a few weeks later. So um, this guy works for Amazon. He runs an Amazon distribution center, so there he's got he's got a staff of around 200, uh, turnover in the millions, and he just said, "You know, I want this for my work." So he, he sat down with his leadership team, and they came up with this. This is the Amazon his. Amazon and distribution centers strategy really and um, a lot of this stuff if you can't read it don't worry because it's all like complicated metric kind of stuff but you can see what he's done in brackets he's put initials so he's actually put these initial people said look that's your job that's your job and he said he said you know my, my, my staff they love it because they print it out it's easy it's simple it's in one sheet of paper they pin it on their notice board and they know exactly what their part in the organisation is and how it achieves the overall goal and it's really simple it's been really helpful for them and final thing I just want to show us is our intern um, kind of strategy so we have a, an internship programme FPs and people doing years so what we did actually as well we actually put what they're going to do into the devotion community and mission sections as well just so they can see that everything they're going to be doing in their year actually serves to fulfill the vision as well I am conscious that I've talked a lot and it's really warm in here so yeah so that's us i don 't know how you want to finish this Colin i We mentioned we could maybe yeah. let people have a go. We we'll let people have a go so what I 've done is I have printed out some sheets with the house drawn on, so you don 't have to draw it yourself um, and I'm just going to hand them around and what I'd like you to do is to come up with a strategy for your organization now it might be for your church if you don't lead a church it could be community group youth group it could be it could be if you're you're working it could be your organization you work for if you're not leading anything specifically you could imagine it or imagine what you you would like you could show it to your church leader and say this is what our strategy should be All alright Tim's over there, okay, just so everybody knows. Um, so I'm going I'm to hand these out, and we'll just give you some time to come up with stuff. So you've got vision, actions, and culture.
1: Well, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And just a reminder, you can find the full notes on everything that Andy has to say at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 85. See you next time.